0: Miller and Condon, Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM.
1: Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you. Glad to have you aboard with us here on a Wednesday as we talk the world of sports, I'm Trent Condon running solo today. Ken continues his sojourn out in Las Vegas. Without me, I will change that come tomorrow afternoon. So still two more days of me, you, and some great guests coming up. Speaking of those guests, let's get to the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk baseball with Tommy Birch. Yesterday... We saw the first of two games that will be played this season at the Field of Dreams game, Cedar Rapids Colonels against the Quad Cities, a minor league game that was there against the River Bandits. So we'll talk about that, what Tommy saw, went behind the curtain a little bit with the team. Really good article in Des Moines Register today talking about that and his time there. So we'll talk about that. We'll look to tomorrow and the Field of Dreams game with the Reds and the Cubs facing off. Just such a different feel than what it was a year ago. Not only because, oh, the teams stink, right? The Cubs and Reds are just two bad baseball teams. But also, it was the first time. It was the build-up. It was the anticipation. We didn't know what it was going to look like. Well, last night you flip on MLB Network and you saw what it was going to look like. Yeah, there'll be some different changes. They'll do some different things. They will try to glitz and glamour this thing up in a bunch of different ways. But it'll never be the first time. It'll never be that feeling that you get. How cool is this? Those first sights and sounds that we got. Now, for people that are making their way up there for the first time, that didn't get to go a season ago and do have tickets this year, that'll be great. And the experience will be wonderful. That's not to take away, but for the viewing experience, that's what's going to be different. So plenty about that. We'll talk about that with Tommy Birch. But also some big news that comes out yesterday about our team, the Iowa Cubs, our Iowa's team, Des Moines' team, and a little bit concerning. I think it has to be at least on the surface, and that's what we'll talk to Tommy Birch. He knows a whole lot more about this story. But reading through the article yesterday, just got a funny feeling. A funny feeling. Not that the Iowa Cubs are going away, nothing like that. But the concern, because what do you think of the Iowa Cubs? And I moved here after college. Moved here, what 2008 now? 2007, right in that range, and. Came here with really no reference of the Iowa Cubs. Yeah, I knew who the Iowa Cubs were. I knew the Pacific Coast League. I knew those things because I'm a sports fan. But I never went to an Iowa Cubs game. I'd never been there. I never understood the pull of the community. In fact, I didn't know Des Moines very well outside of coming down to visit my sister a couple of times. I just I didn't have a reference where I grew up in North Iowa. We went to Minneapolis. We're going to the big city. I wasn't going to Des Moines. I was going to Minneapolis because A is closer. Yeah, when living up there in the hinterlands, and B. It's Minneapolis, right? I go watch a Twins game. I can go watch an NFL game. I can go and watch the Hawkeyes play the Gophers in the Dome. I could do those things and their family could do those things as it pertained to sports and Valley Fair versus Adventureland. I was a Valley Fair guy. Twins, Iowa Cubs. You knew which way I was leaning. So I didn't understand the pull of what the Iowa Cubs and what it meant to this city. But I, I think 15 years later, I certainly do. The local ownership that we've seen, going back to Michael Gartner and the people employed there. A couple years ago, before 2020 and the pandemic, Ken and I were able to do our show, I think it was a dozen times out there, from out in the outfield press box, uh, not press box, the the suites out there, did our show before, it was the gentleman afternoon special, right? What do they call it? The, The businessman or business lady special that they have Wednesdays at 12.05 or whatever, 12.08, I guess it would be. And just seeing that and seeing fans milling in and the importance to the community, well, a big part of that is people like Rady Wayover, right? The people that are a huge part of the organization. And that's where the concern lies. The selling, first to Endeavor and now this latest sale, as they were having to give it up to Silver Lake Partners, doesn't sound like a Des Moines company to me. Doesn't sound like Iowans. That's where my concern lies. Tommy Birch will help us out with that. Plenty of other baseball as well. Great race continues in the American League Central. And we have a tie now at the top. My Twins last night, they took it in the chin. No surprise against the Dodgers. Boy, watching that team again last night, they are just absolutely ridiculous up and down the lineup. It is a dead tie with the Guardians and the Twins at the top, 57-52. and 52. Doesn't take a lot to win that division. The White Sox, who split yesterday with the Royals. What did I read, the eighth straight split of a doubleheader against the Royals for the White Sox, dating back how many years? Game and a half back right now for the White Sox in the race in the American League Central. And remember, the winner of this division will get the worst wildcard team, if you will. The, the last qualifier in, that is who will get that spot. Right now, that'd be the race. After Seattle last night, walks it off in extra innings, one nothing against the Yankees. They're a half game clear of the Rays. Blue Jays are your top card team. So this is what it would look like right now. The Yankees and Astros, they get buys. Remember, we're going now to six teams get in on each side. Yankees get a buy. Astros get a buy. Your opening round would be the Guardians, who right now have the tiebreaker over the Twins. They would host in a three-game series, the Rays. The Blue Jays, the top wild card team, they would host Seattle in a three game series. Then the winner of that move on to take on the Yankees and the Astros. So that's how it's set up. Same thing in the National League. Your front runner at the top, of course, is the Dodgers. The Mets would be the number two seed. So both the Dodgers and Mets would get a bye in the first round. The central leader, which is the Cardinals currently, they get that final wild card team, which is the Padres. Braves would play host to the Phillies. So that's the structure this year. And that's for me as a Twins fan. Watching last night and just realizing you know that you had a guy out there you're confident with. Joe Ryan. Young guy. Got him last year in a trade for Nelson Cruz. Really good at the start of the season. He's taken a step back this year. He's great the first time through the order. Has struggled more the second, third time. You saw that again last night against that Dodgers lineup. But he felt pretty good. About as good as you can for a guy going up against the Dodgers. And he got crushed. And he just got beat around. The gap between a great team. An elite team now in baseball, the Yankees, the Dodgers, that group of teams, and then a playoff team. Boy, it feels significant. But you don't have to play one of those teams in the first round. And for me, for a fan, talked about this with Sean Roberts yesterday. You know, he's got World Series visions with the White Sox. That's where he was. And that's where he was coming into the season. And that's changed and evolved, but get it and you, you feel like you have a chance. That's not it for me. It's about ending a losing streak. 18 consecutive playoff losses for the Twins. Get in. Win a series. Give yourself a chance. Get to the ALDS. And you know what? If you're having to take on the Astros and you get swept there, so what? You got swept two years ago in the playoffs by the Astros too, right? Just get in. Win a game. Win a series. Get that excitement brewing once again. That's what I'm hopeful for at this point in time with the Twins. But watching it the good news is only one more game against the Dodgers, just a two-game series. So plenty of baseball again. Tommy Birch, our first guest today, coming up here at about 10.30. Then at the end of the hour, our daily conversation with the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is Mitch Holtis. We'll talk to Mitch. Of course, everything going on in camp. It was a busy day yesterday. A lot of pads popping. A lot of... Guys that were playing physical, and it was one of those full days. we are also uh, talk about Elijah Lee, a Kansas State guy. Uh, talk a little Big 12 with him in the linebacker spot as we're looking at the defense. And a new name there, Elijah Lee, coming in to play with the Chiefs uh, this season. That's coming up at the end of our number one, hour two. Well, speaking of those Dodgers, we'll talk that. We'll talk baseball. We'll talk Hawkeyes. John Bowenkamp from the AP and HawkeyeNation.com. He's going to stop by. Also want to talk a little basketball with John. Good time always to talk some off-season hoops with one of the best minds in college basketball, John Camp. He was a longtime AP voter. And uh, with it, we'll talk with John about everything going on in the world to kick off the second hour. Then 1130, it is Wednesday, and that means David Kaplan will be here. You see him on NBC Sports Chicago. You hear him on ESPN 1000. We'll talk Cubs, we'll talk White Sox, we'll talk Bears, and we will do it all with David Kaplan coming up at 11.30. So that's the BMW of Des Moines guest list. It's a busy one, but I want to go back to a conversation Sean and I had a little bit yesterday and ran short on time. And it's a story that is dominating, obviously, the headlines, both on a national and a regional level, and it's what's happening with the Big Ten and, and the TV contracts that are out there and what it continues to be. So where we're at right now, is something that Ken and I have been telling you for the last couple of weeks was what the Big Ten was striving to do. Get those three windows. Have the three main windows, Fox at 11 o'clock, 2.30 CBS, night game on NBC. There will be flexibility. There will be changes. Look at the package right now CBS has with the SEC. Not every one of their games are 2.30. Remember, they also get a game, sometimes two games, night games a season, that they're able to do there. So if Notre Dame has a night game, wants to schedule a night game at home, there will be their that ability. That, that flexibility is going to be certainly built in. So we get the main structure of it, right? Those are the main three properties. Those are the important ones each and every week. And Fox will get the first designation, probably get the number one pick. Say over a 15-week college football season. With buys in there, week zero, it's about a 15-week season. When you break it down... I would anticipate you would see that Fox gets the number one choice probably 11 of those weeks. Two for CBS, two for NBC, something in that range. And Fox, they'll take their number one pick every year and they will get that. And with it, they will choose Ohio State-Michigan. That will always now, in the structure, be on Fox. We get that part. The question becomes, though, what else? And, and I want to dig a little bit deeper into this because we get that part. I, I think everybody understands that part. It's the part that certainly is the most pertinent, right? you got a big Iowa-Wisconsin game. That's going to be in a really good leaning spot. It's going to be over-the-air television. But what about that next-tier game? What about the non-conference football game when Iowa takes on Nevada? What about when the Hawkeyes are taking on Rutgers? What happens to those games and what else is going to be out there? So we continued to hear about streaming. And listening uh, here this morning to our buddy John O'Reilly and his podcast with Andrew Marshawn of the New York Post. And they were talking about this element a little bit. So it felt like for a long time there was going to be a pretty big streaming component about this. A lot of speculation was that was going to be a Thursday night, Friday night, some kind of different type of package for Apple TV. For Amazon, and Amazon Prime, what they're doing, obviously, with Thursday Night Football. That was the thought process. It doesn't look like, unless something changes here very late in the process, that that is going to be the case. But that doesn't mean that streaming will not be a component of this. It looks like Peacock, which is the offshoot of NBC. That is NBC's streaming property. They want to do that. Remember a year ago, Notre Dame, when they played Toledo and they were hair on fire to beat the Rockets. That game was on, Peacock. That was a streaming game. You're going to see something similar here. Maybe it's a game a week. Maybe it's six Friday night games, six Saturday games, something like that. But be prepared. If you think this and you breathe a big sigh of relief, I don't have to worry about streaming. Not so fast. Here's the concerning part. And I find this very interesting. You're at home. You'll figure it out, right? Or if you want to go out to a bar. But That's the one that is so, so interesting. So I was reading this, in, it's like a radio trade magazine and sports business uh, trade magazine. And they were talking about a big place in New York City that had been anticipating if DirecTV did not get and were not able to give to restaurants streaming what they were going to do with Thursday Night Football and Amazon. And one thing that this restaurant that had great capabilities, they were able to put together the best Wi-Fi, strong signal, Smart TVs, they had the perfect setup to do this. And they tried to do it on about 30 televisions. But what they found is even with everything perfect, I mean, great internet, hardwired in, everything, there's still little lag. And the problem becomes, you just get that one, one second blip, right? Just that, not even, it's not even, you can't even call it buffering. But just, just that little tick. Well, what happens? Now that TV's behind and you got the sound on on one TV. And what if all of a sudden, the one that you have the sound on, that one is the one that has a little blip. And now your sound is behind the TVs that are quote-unquote live. Those are the things that are going to happen with streaming. And the good news and what came out of this article is they talked about DirecTV is now going to be able to work with restaurants, at least for this season. And the hope is going forward when they no longer have NFL Sunday ticket is DirecTV will still have an ability to work with restaurants and go to restaurants and give them direct tv get the thursday night package it'll be i don't know it'll be like a channel that only restaurants can get only if you have that package and that system it'll be 788 and that'll be the channel that you can flip on the thursday night game and then going forward sunday ticket as they've had it in the past so that is the good news on that front and if it is peacock and you can't figure it out it's going to be there but are they going to have the same kind of structure for big 10 games on peacock as opposed to what we see here with the NFL. Something to keep an eye on, something to wonder about, and the thought process. What does this also mean for that next tier of games that we talked about? Minnesota Rutgers. Penn State, Indiana. Michigan State, Purdue. Nice games. Solid games. But honestly, unless any of those teams are really good, you don't really care. Same thing. TCU's playing Texas Tech And both teams are 4-5. and You don't care. The same thing here. You got Indiana, Michigan State. And maybe the winner gets to a bowl game. It doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. And certainly to people that are not alums and fans of those institutions. You have the Big Ten Network. One component I'm wondering about is we have become so accustomed to 11 o'clock, 2.30, night game. And that's what the structure is going to be. Fox at 11, CBS at 2.30, NBC night game. Can we go back to the old 1 o'clock kickoffs? I remember my first game in Kinnick Stadium back in the 80s, and what it was? 1 o'clock. I mean, just a perfect time. 11 a.m.'s too early. If you like to tailgate like I like to tailgate, and shocker, yes, I do like a beer. When that happens, all right, you get up, get the kids dropped off, got a babysitter. Hopefully you leave by 7. Might be a stretch. I'm calling football Friday night the night before. You get up, get over there. You got two hours, maybe an hour and a half. Back in the day, yeah, I'd leave at 4 a.m. That's not a realistic possibility anymore. So you got that component of it. 2.30, game gets over, 6 o'clock, maybe 6.30 anymore. Get back to your parking spot takes a half hour, maybe 45 minutes to an hour to get out of there. You're talking about getting back maybe, maybe at 9 o'clock back to Des Moines. And then night game, I mean, you know, what a night game is. And staying over might have to be a component of that. 1 o'clock, though, game gets over at 4.30. You're out of there by 5, 5.15. You're back by 7 o'clock. You can watch the night games. You still got the evening. You can still put the kids to bed. You can still hang out. You can still do all those things. 1 o'clock. Can we please get those back? I'm hopeful that that'll be a component that we are going to see. That we're going to see more of these windows that are going to open up. And it's not going to be the strict basically three TV windows, but you overlap a little bit. And you get some odd start times. And you get a 4.30 kickoff. And it's not a night game, but it's an evening game. And you get the old school 1 o'clock kickoffs. That is my hope. FS1, the Big Ten Network, Peacock. Those are what you're looking at. Those are going to be the structure. And the final part, and I know for TV executives, for the people that are actually pulling the strings here, this doesn't matter. This is not an important component, but it is basketball. We know how important basketball is here. And it's so interesting. So I'm 42, and talking to people younger than me, people that even aren't that much younger, I mean, just going back to people maybe in their mid-30s right now. And the difference, at least for me, and where I grew up, and the importance of what Iowa basketball was. Now, I was coming into a golden era, right? I was born in 1980, and that was the year they made the Final Four. And then the development of the Hawkeye Television Network and the syndication across the state. And it didn't matter if you were in Sioux City, or Cedar Rapids, or Waterloo, the Quad Cities, or Tumwa. You were going to have an ability to watch Iowa basketball During the week and then over the weekend, you were going to be able to see those games and not see a couple of games, see almost every one of them. And what a huge, important piece that was. We talk every year on the anniversary of Chris Street and his death and how impactful that was for so many people. And it was because he was one of us. And you could see your neighbor kid, you could see your nephew, maybe your son be that guy that got to play for the Hawkeyes because it was that important, and it was a huge part, and for me, it was bigger than Iowa football. It wasn't close. Iowa basketball, that was our professional team. That's what it was like for me, and the importance of that. And maybe it was just an era, and it was an era, obviously, that's not coming back, but how people miss that. So basketball is hugely important to me. Hugely important. And the development of BTN, and the number of non-conference games that, well... Not going to be on. And that's got better here recently, but now you have to get BTN Plus, right? And that means more money, and you're streaming for that. And it's not a great product, but at least you can see the games. So you do that. What is this going to do for basketball? What is this going to do? Wrestling has been great. Volleyball has been great. BTN has been great for them. But you're talking about 16 teams. They have not used the overflow channels that they have for football for basketball. Is that a possibility? You wonder about NBC. We talked about Peacock. I think that's also going to be a component. CBS Sports Network. If you don't have DirecTV, it's not available to a whole lot of places. USA Network, who had some hockey playoffs, and that's one of NBC's offshoots. Now, with NBC Sports Network no longer around, you saw some A10 basketball that was over there. Is that a possibility? It's going to look different. The structure is going to look different. More than anything, I just hope that. I don't care if I was playing Southeast Louisiana. They're taking on Cal Poly. I just want to be able to see the game. I hope that doesn't go away. I hope without the ESPN property going there that that isn't the end. And also speaking of ESPN, what happens now with the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which has been so fun? Just a a great, great year after year showcase of college basketball in these two conferences. And now, does it go away? Because for all intents and purposes, with the TV contracts, you know all these games are going to be on ESPN. That's not going to be the case anymore. Because if Clemson's taking on Northwestern and it's at Welsh Ryan, guess what? That's now going to be on a Fox property or NBC or CBS because ESPN is not a part of it. Just something to keep an eye on. What happens to basketball? It's something that won't be talked about a lot when this officially comes out and we get all the parameters, which listening to the people in the know, the John O'Rans of the world, should be coming here in the next week or two, the hope is, before Labor Day? That will be a question. It'll be down the list, I get that. But it's an important one for me, and I'm sure a lot of people like me out there. What's this mean for basketball going forward? We're going baseball next. Tommy Birch will join us from the Des Moines Register. I wonder Birchie made his way back, if he's up in Dyersville. We're going to find out. We're going to talk about the sale of the Iowa Cubs. What does that mean? How concerned should we be? Our local team, how important that is. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Field of Dreams game, what he saw last night in the minor league game. We'll talk Major League Baseball as well as a whole. That's Tommy Birch. He'll join us coming up next. Trent Condon running solo today. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Now back
0: to Miller and Condon. On 106.3 KXNL, here's Ken and Trent.
1: Look, Ken, but you got Trent back here. Miller and Con 106.3 KXNO. Thanks for being with us here on a Wednesday. Ken in Vegas, I will get there tomorrow late afternoon, leaving right after the show tomorrow, and I'm excited to get out there and see our friends at Circus Sports. So speaking of our friends, Tommy Burch, he's a good one, and he joins us right now. Here with us on the BMW Des Moines guest list today, kicking things off. Birchie hanging out in Northeast Iowa. What's going on?
2: Not much, just living out living it up here in uh, God's Country.
1: That is God's Country. That's right. You're on the right side of uh right side of Highway Twenty, and that's when you get up into to the great part of our state, the northern part of the state, where of course I come from. That's why I call it great. So it is a beautiful backdrop. We saw that a year ago. We saw it last night, so let's go there first. What you saw last night, the minor league game, the first time that they did this one, and you could just tell from the guys walking out of the corn and announcing their name and where they were from, everything that went along with it. Those guys, for many of them, I mean, talk about a thrill of a lifetime. Many of these guys will not see the major leagues, and that was an opportunity that not a whole lot of people are going to be able to see. Your takeaway from what you saw last night on the minor league side of the Field of Dreams.
2: Yeah, it was really cool. Actually, I spent the entire day with the Cedar Rapids colonel as I went up to Cedar Rapids before the game, hung out with them in lock the locker room, getting ready, rode the bus with them to Dyersville, and then uh, was with them when they got to see the field in the locker room for the first time. And it was definitely an inspiring moment for all those guys to kind of, just kind of dangling that carrot in front of them, knowing like, okay, this is what it looks like at the big league level, if you get there someday, you work hard enough, play well enough and, and ultimately make it. But like you said, there's going to be so many players. um, that are involved in this game that never do make it to the major league. So for them, this was their big league game. This was their, their time to shine. You know, they aren't going to have the opportunity to, to play in a big league um, stadium on a nationally televised audience on MLB network. So, um, it was really interesting watching these guys get ready for it the entire day and just um, um, embrace the moment and embrace the opportunity.
1: The guys, uh, you have some pictures from yesterday in your article. You can find it at Des one One as they're pulling up to the site and just guys looking out there. And then the locker room, which is a tent, but a little bit different than the, maybe the tent that you and I would be thinking about.
2: Yeah, this is not the tent I used on uh, camping trips <laughs> when I was a part of uh, Boy Scout Trip 92. So, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I asked them about that, and you could tell right away. Like, I walked into the locker room, as they did, and they were just ooing and eyeing And the first thing they would do is take out their phones and take pictures. Um, and they they were so impressed by the locker room that, you know, right away when they got there, they were whisked away in a room next door um, to have a meeting with some people, people from Major League Baseball, kind of set out, um, you know, kind of the plans for the day. But you know, it, it, before they went to that meeting, you know, they were taking photos, and somebody from Major League Baseball was telling him, "We gotta go to the meeting. Don't worry, you're gonna have plenty of time to get the photos. We promise you'll come back um, to the locker room." So uh, you know, you could you could see all of the guys just really. Um, just in complete awe, you know everybody has a smile on their face. Um, you know the the minor league baseball lifestyle is, is something that I think a lot of people is, don't fully comprehend. I think a lot of people see, you know, what life is like in the big leagues and the amount of money that they make and, and the type of lifestyles that they have um, <clears throat> away from the ballpark and even not the ballpark. And I kind of assume it's the same way in the minor leagues, but it's definitely not. And it's certainly not in high A baseball in, uh, in, in Cedar Rapids. And that's not to take any, anything away from the Colonels, That's just how minor league baseball is. So those guys got, you know, the carpet, the red carpet rolled out for them in a big, big way, even from, you know, the locker room to like the, the pregame spread that included like steak and, and Brussels sprouts, sprouts instead of, you know, cold sandwiches
1: and, and water. Different world. Um, so the people that were there looked like pretty close to capacity, but a lot more milling around. I mean, differences from what we saw a year ago and it being a minor league game as opposed to a major league game. The differences that you saw in comparison between the two events. I mean, I, I was thinking about it. If I had an opportunity of my choice for this year, I probably would have taken the minor league game just because that ability to go out and check everything out and be able to mill around it and not worry about actually kind of missing an ending or two of the game, maybe not as important for a minor league game.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of how it went too. You know, throughout the night, you, you would constantly see people walking through the path in, in the corn that took you from the movie side diamond to the big league diamond. They actually put lights up, um, kind of like Christmas lights, to kind of guide people through, which is really cool, but. Even as the game got going, you would see people walking through there uh, throughout the evening. There was a large contingent of of Colonel's fans, especially River Bandits fans, um, that that made the trek over to support their team. You know, I saw a lot of people with host family uh, jerseys on, so that was kind of cool to see. But I think for a lot of people, if you weren't fans of the Colonel's, you weren't fans of the River Bandits. We weren't fans of minor league baseball, which there's a good share of people who don't fall into any of those categories. It was like, I want to experience the Field of Dreams movie site and the, and the, the new stadium. A lot of people didn't get a chance to experience it last year. They won't get the the chance to experience it this year. So this is kind of a nice little consolation prize for, for those people.
1: Tommy Birch joining us from the Des Moines Register as he is up in Northeast Iowa getting ready for tomorrow's Field of Dreams game. Uh, look forward to the game. It's Cubs and Reds, two teams that aren't very good this year. What differences, though, for people that you know, didn't flip on MLB Network last night? What do you expect the changes from what we saw a year ago, year number one, to what we'll see this season for the MLB game?
2: Well, the game's not going to be quite as good. <laughs> yeah. You know, you 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 don't have the Yankees, you don't have the White Sox, you don't have two teams, but are fighting for uh, spots in the playoffs. You have the Reds. You have the Cubs. You have two teams that are in the midst of rebuild I Wouldn't even say rebuild. Still in the midst of teardown mode. Um, almost, even though the Cubs kept Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ. But um, I think a lot of the focus of this game is going to be around the scenery, the storyline, a field of dreams, and and kind of the storied history about these teams. You know, that's something people from Fox had told me about before is they really want to incorporate kind of the history of the Reds and the Cubs as a couple of the oldest franchises in baseball. So, you know, even though the attention was really not on the game last year, you know, it was around this new park that so many people were getting to see for the first time. I think even less attention is going to be on the game this season because of the matchup and because, You know, there there are different ways to present it and different ways to try to sell it to viewers. And I think, you know, obviously the broadcast numbers aren't going to be what they were last year. They were through the roof and just set a tremendous bar that you're probably never going to reach. But I think there is still going to be interest in the game just because there are going to be so many people that were intrigued by it last year, enjoyed watching it last year. They're going to want to see, okay, how do they try to top it? Uh, this year, I don't think they can top it, but mm-hmm. the the pregame festivities to me are where most of the intrigue lie in, in the big league game.
1: That'd be good. And uh, get people in like the TV numbers are not going to be the same. There's going to be the standard people that are going to write about the demise of baseball that you hear all the time. We just know the reality of it. And the reality is it's going to go down from what we saw. But people will be able to get that experience. And the people that weren't there, that's going to be absolutely incredible. Looking forward to that. Let's go to the future next, Birchie. And I also want to talk about the sale of the Iowa Cubs with you. I promise we'll get to that here in just a moment. But the future of the event, after you know, hearing from Frank Thomas and that group, the money that was given from uh, the governor earlier this week, what can you tell us? What's the future look like Look like now? of the Field of Dreams, the site, Major League Baseball, a yearly game. What can you tell us on that front?
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a yearly game by fully anticipate Major League Baseball coming back next year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team like the Minnesota Twins yes. possibly, in it which be good for you and I, right? Uh-huh. So I, think, uh, I think that's one of the teams you could possibly see uh, come next year, but I think Major League Baseball will be back next year, and then after that, Really not sure. But, you know, that's part of the appeal. Frank Thomas and his group buying the park is park in the site is they wanted to get a yearly Major League Baseball game in. And Major League Baseball has not shied away from um, the idea of doing stuff like that. The Low League World Series has become, you know, a constant stop on their tour and become kind of a fixture on the schedule. Field dreams could become that. Um <clears throat> as As far as the actual site, too, you know, you're going to be seeing some massive changes over the next couple of years. Obviously, the new owners, like I said, that include Frank Thomas, have some big, big plans that they want to carry out with the park in terms of building a youth baseball complex. That includes eight baseball and softball fields, another kind of big league diamond, which they hope would become more of a permanent structure, and a hotel. So, um, that's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. You know, I know I've heard from a lot of people who are worried about the movie site just losing kind of some of its magic and simplicity, and I totally understand that. But with a lot of people that I heard from um, when Major League Baseball announced they were building this big league diamond. They were worried about the same thing happening. But I can assure you, a lot of the people that I've talked to that go up to the site since that new stadium has been put in, really don't seem to notice it. It's not that far away, but it seems like it's a long ways away. It really doesn't impact the 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 Field Dreams um, movie site experience for visitors. Now, obviously, a hotel room, another big park, and eight youth baseball and softball complexes are a lot different. So I'm interested to see how that pans out because. That is going to be a a really tough balancing act of making sure the site continues to uh, have a financial future so it can stay open Mm -hmm. and stay visible for fans, but also keeping that simplicity to it that draws people there in the first place.
1: Tommy Birch, Des Moines Register here next to the Iowa Cubs. This one, uh, a weird feeling. I mentioned this at the top of the show, Birchie. As I'm reading the story yesterday, I just I got a pit in my stomach. And it's because I don't know anything about Endeavor Group Holdings. I don't know anything about Silver Lake. I'll tell you one thing. They certainly don't sound like Des Moines companies. They don't sound like Iowa companies. That's that's where my concern was, and it was concern for the people, for Randy and, and the whole group of staff there with the Iowa Cubs. And when you see somebody from outside the area, that's where my concern goes. What can you tell us to take away the the selling of the Iowa Cubs?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of kind of just a transfer of a fund, so to speak. Where even though it's 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 kind of moving under a different umbrella of of endeavor, or kind of in that family. So, you know, it is a sale in some sorts, but it's basically kind of like a, a transfer of assets. So, I remain kind of the the same as when. The sale kind of originally went through is that Michael Gardner was adamant about making sure minor league baseball stayed in Des Moines and stayed at Principal Park. And, um, you know, he was fully comfortable in this sale and the direction and the future of it. And if he was, I feel pretty confident where they should be going forward. And I think a lot of the people are from some of the, the conversations I've already had with kind of people in baseball already.
1: There's a talk about some renovations that need to be done to get it up to triple A standards. What still needs to be done at Principal Park? What are the things still on the docket to continue to improve the ballpark?
2: They got to get a permanent batter's eye. There's the temporary one up mm-hmm. there right now. Um, they got to get a permanent one. They've got to get um, just some more locker room space available for more coaches, more players, and. And, and stuff like that. It's really nothing major. Most of the stuff outside the batter's eye is more behind the scenes stuff that really isn't going to impact fans going to the game, but it's going to impact players in a big, big way because, you know, the game has changed drastically over the years where you're seeing more coaches in the dugout. You're seeing teams take just so much more stuff on the road. You know, they, they need bigger weight rooms. They need, you know, uh, just more development type um, things and room for that type of thing to go on. So that's pretty much where it is. The good thing I would say when it comes to a team like the Iowa Cubs is they've kind of been one of those teams that's always kind of uh, ahead of the curve and always uh, jumping ahead of things to, to make sure that they're appeasing their, their big league affiliates. So I think you're seeing a lot of, you know, a few minor league teams at least are kind of scrambling to, to make sure that they're up to code and, and can keep their affiliation title. But, you know, for the Iowa Cubs, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's it's nothing too major. It's still some big behind-the-scenes work, but nothing too drastic right now.
1: Finally, Burchie, twins are now in a dead tie with the Cleveland Guardians. Oh, boy. It was a fun start to the season. It's over, right? I shouldn't have my hopes up. Even the little glimmer of hope, I should completely get rid of that with my twins, right?
2: No, they'll get to the postseason. They just won't win any games, Trent.
1: <laughs> get swept by the Orioles in the first round at home.
2: Yeah, I mean at that point it's uh you know, we're used to it, right? Yeah.
1: Watching the Dodgers last night. Now I know you were working last night, Birchie. You're thinking about mixing up your favorite, a vodka and Mountain Dew. But uh Did you have a chance to to see any of the game last night? Just watching the Dodgers, and I see them a lot. You know, I always have them on the background in the evening. You know, when they're on MLB Network or something. But when they're taking on your team, and just watching that lineup and poor Ryan last night, he's just trying to figure it out. They just keep coming. That that Dodgers team is nuts.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I think Ross Peterson asked me this other day when he thought you know he asked me did the did the Padres do enough to um, to really propel them into being a World Series contender. And I said, I think they did everything they could, but I still don't think it's enough because it seems like the Dodgers just be miles and miles ahead of everybody else, where mm-hmm. man, they're just going to be so tough to beat. And I think what makes it even more frustrating is you look at the Dodgers, you look at how much money they have to spend. But the resources they have as well in terms of just one of the best minor league systems in all of baseball that they can churn out prospects year in and year out is really remarkable.
1: I really wish the uh, Twins would have said, the only way you're getting our uh, Gratterall is for Julio Urias. Man, he is a stud. And he's still only 25.
2: Yeah, I mean, there have been a couple of trades like that for the Twins as we know in the past uh-huh. that just uh, just haven't worked out. But I mean, the good thing for the Twins is, I mean, they're also a team that is done um, really good at uh, drafting, developing, and recognizing talent, but that's one that definitely got away. It's
1: So race the first to 85 who can get there, Cleveland, Minnesota, or the White Sox. Birchie's optimistic it'll be the Twins. With that, hey, Birchie, enjoy it tomorrow night. We'll be watching your coverage. What do you got coming up uh, leading up to the game and then afterwards at the Des Moines Register?
2: yeah we're gonna have a full staff at the game so we'll have you covered wall-to-wall my guy mark emmer even coming to town so wow. that'll be a fun time all the special story on dwyer brown the actor from mm-hmm. from the movie who you know essentially only had six minutes of of screen time in the movie but has become kind of this lasting legacy figure for for decades which to me is really remarkable but we got a really cool story at dot com about Red Faber, who is from Cascade, who is actually a part of that 1919 White Sox team, but didn't pitch in the World Series. And a lot of people I've talked to have seemed to think that had Red Faber been healthy, um, the White Sox may not have been able to throw the World Series, and history would have been quite different, where I would not be in eastern Iowa hanging out right now.
1: There we are. Tommy Birch, we will get together, Birchie, when things slow down a little bit. We'll get ourselves a vodka and Mountain Dew. What do you say?
2: Just one? Well,
1: maybe a couple. Stay out of now trouble up there, all right?
2: I, I will, thanks.
1: Tommy Birch, you can find all of his work at Tommy Birch on Twitter as he joins us here today. Quick timeout. When we come back, we go to the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is Mitch Holtis. His daily conversation with us as we continue Miller & Condon. Not and solo today and tomorrow Friday live from Vegas at Circa time for our daily conversation he is Mitch Holtis the fine voice of the Kansas City Chiefs and he joins us as he does each and every day right around this time Mitch thanks as always getting closer and closer it's game week and well, you guys are gonna be traveling coming up on Friday making your way to the windy city but preseason right it's just an in and out that's a business trip no doubt
0: yeah, very much in and out, and quite honestly, it's just been a business-type week uh, here in St. Joe. Yesterday was really that way, a lot of intense red zone work, uh, and it was perfect. It was like a, almost 50-50 of offense wins, defense wins, which is the way you like it. If one side dominates, then you get a concern about the other side, um, but now the pivot starts. The players are off today, but everybody else is on. And you start to give an eye towards Saturday. You've got to be highly organized. What are your player rotations going to be? Uh, What are your priorities for this game uh, against Chicago? So today's a pivot day for sure.
1: Let's talk about the defense. That's been a big part of our conversation here throughout the week. And uh, continue with the linebacker spot. A new name, Elijah Lee, a K-State guy, Big 12 fans, certainly will remember him.
0: Yeah, Iowa State and K-State fans uh, in Des Moines will remember him. Uh, and a local kid. Up until his sophomore year, and through his sophomore year, he's a St. Joe kid. He played at Central High School here. He's a favorite son. But his junior and senior year, for a lot of reasons, he goes to Blue Springs, which is in the east suburbs of Kansas City. He flourishes at K-State. Uh, and this is his seventh year in the NFL. I remember in Super Bowl fifty-four. He almost decapitates McCall Hardman on a punt return Mm. when uh, Elijah Lee was playing for the San Francisco 49ers. I ask Elijah just his mindset, and really K-State trained him this way. Matt Campbell's doing the same thing at Iowa State in the way he runs his program, the discipline that's required. And in the case of Elijah Lee, it prepared him to not only make it in the NFL, but to last and to flourish in the NFL.
2: You know, everybody plays special teams. There's no, nobody's better than the next man. So I just keep that opportunity and I keep that mindset that I'm no better than the man next to me and I got to help my brothers bring them along the way and show them that, you know, special teams, you can make a career out of. I am in mean, my sixth year, I played a little bit of defense, but majority special teams. And I tell them, you can make a living out of this too.
0: So it's like Iowa State. Uh, I think Iowa State and K-State are very parallel because Chris Kleiman has continued this I don't care if you're David Montgomery or Brees Hall. You're no better than the walk-on sophomore who's turned into a special teams demon. And with Elijah Lee, he's made it in this league, mainly as a four-core special teams guy. Four-core meaning punt, punt return, kick, kick return. Right now, as of this morning at 10.56, Elijah Lee is the starting base linebacker with Nick Bolton and with Willie Gay Jr., So Saturday's a big day for him in that regard. But what you know you're getting with Elijah Lee is a soldier, and you're also getting a very good 4 special teamer.
1: Chance to start. You mentioned right now that's what he's doing right now, getting that opportunity to be out there. Mitch, it's a big one, no doubt. And and, I know you got a little audio on this front, too, from Elijah. But, boy, for a guy that's been around for seven years to get that opportunity and do it where he grew up, boy, how exciting that's got to be.
0: He is. So happy. He's in his real hometown Mm -hmm. and he just is he I was dreaming of him being a chief when he destroyed McColl Hardman (laughs) in Super Bowl fifty four. He was dreaming of being a chief as well. But now he gets a chance to be a base linebacker starter and he knows it's a shot.
2: It's a big opportunity. I don't get too high, get too low. I just want to keep working, keep getting better and better, and, and just embrace the opportunity, you know, to have that opportunity. I got to, you know, of course, keep going through camp, keep battling. That's what it's for. But if that opportunity were to present itself, I know there's a high standard, and I would have to put my best foot forward.
0: But he'll be evaluated. He'll start in the base against Chicago on Saturday, and Chicago's going to run the ball in this game. That's, that, I just think that's what they're going to do. And if the Chiefs have one series with the ones, he will actually sprinkle into a second series with the twos. They're trying to see if Elijah can be the starting base linebacker. They play a lot of nickel and dime. I got it. But Elijah, when he's been given the chance, San Francisco at the end of 2018 had some big numbers as a base linebacker when he was a starting linebacker with San Francisco.
1: One final thing, and as I think you know, Mitch, I I like to gamble just a little bit. It's legal in our state, so that's Ah. all well and good, and heading out to Vegas this week. So, looking at this point spread, that's weird in its own right. Chicago being favored. We know if this is regular season, that'd be different, but one of the preseason betting trends that has always been so good is betting against Andy Reid in the preseason. His teams haven't been good until last season. Can we go back to old Andy Reid so I know what I'm doing betting this team in preseason?
0: Well, if you're going to bet on preseason games, you know, go in <laughs> peace. Uh, cause that's just, you know, I got another idea. You could take a $20 bill and just, you know, uh-huh. go, uh, go to the, you know, just tear it up. I mean, not, but have fun with it. Have fun with it. But coaches, he's, uh, I've seen him and this is my 10th camp with him and I've seen him do everything, Trent. I'm, I'm, I'm dodging your question, but I'm really not. He's done it all. He's done everything. Last year they were undefeated in the preseason and dominated against the Vikings in preseason game three. Uh, I have no idea what he's going to do. He does want to see this defense keep moving forward and get a little more uh, pizzazz out of the offense. But if they're an underdog, then I don't know what to tell you. Go get some pizza rolls.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, we'll get out and uh, get some pizza right now. Tell us about Papa John's. And as we sit here, it's hump day. Maybe just don't want to flip that oven on. Don't want to put on the burner Papa John's always a great choice.
0: Well, Trent, a lot of times these specials are for dinner. You know, you feel like oh, I'm doing it for dinner. Got it. You know, uh, with Papa John's, but this these spicy pepperoni rolls are really a lunch thing. Only five forty nine. These are perfect for lunch uh, to get you through the day. Super tasty, great value, but they're only going to last. What is this? The tenth. Just the I think ten more days for this special on the spicy pepperoni rolls.
1: They sound amazing. We're going to hit them up, and we'll hit you up here a couple of times, a couple of quick hits here the rest of the week. Mitch, enjoy Chicago. We'll talk to you live again next week, and we'll hear from you here the next couple of days. Thank you.
0: Enjoy Las Vegas, and good luck betting on preseason games. (laughs) man, he bets on the Canadian Football League. He's a big CFL guy. Go with that.
1: He loves that. He loves it. We love having you on. That's Mitch Holtis, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. One hour down, one more to go. We come back. We're talking Hawkeyes. We're talking baseball. John Boeing camp kicks off our number. Two.